I was like, I really want to travel, but, you know, I don't have a lot of money right now, and it's hard for me to kind of get around and all this stuff. And this person said, well, I heard of this lady who travels with no money, and she just does talks wherever she goes, or she works for what she needs, and people play for her bus tickets to get her to different places. And I heard that, and I was like, ding, 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 ding. Well, hear this story and you'll also be gaining knowledge when you listen to it on how to do these things. I realized that like my concern was really just what people were going to think of my decision and oh my god she's crazy what is she doing she's not you know she's supposed to be pursuing a career this is when she's supposed to be finding a job and I that doesn't appeal to me that never appealed to me. Play a major role in spreading the love and the joy and uh, reducing our imprint you know for for future generations and for all that we share this planet with. I was just embarrassed. I felt like I couldn't do it, like I'd already failed. I had no idea what I was doing. What did I get myself into? What was I thinking? Our history of humanity really revolves around great people. And that's, that's all we know about. And why is that? It's because the insignificant people weren't important enough that somebody would take the time to document their life. Hello everyone, welcome to the podcast. I am so thrilled that you're here, especially for this one. My name is Kayla Rauta, the host of the podcast, and you are listening to the Unruly Podcast. So this episode is so special to me. I feel like I really put my heart into this to bring you a raw, true, as far as my memory can go, real story that is packed with adventure but also information at the same time. So this is the first podcast episode in a new series called When the Travel Bug Bites. And I record this with my partner Tim while we're driving home from a two-month cross-country trip. So Tim and I had this wild experience together and during it we went to some places that I had visited in previous trips and I kept giving him little snippets of my story and we decided that we should sit down and record the full version and after doing that I was like we have to share this with everyone because there was so much information in there on budget travel and alternative living. So in this episode We start at the beginning of my story when I was bit by the travel bug. We talk about what it was like for me to be an exchange student in an entirely new country, and I was in South America, living with a completely new family for a year, and how I navigated that with anxiety and depression. We also go into what happened when I came back, why I was inspired to budget travel, why I decided that I was going to travel across the U.S. with almost no money. I ended up starting with a two or $300 gift card, and that was it. And we also give a lot of tips to budget travel, and in this episode specifically, we talk about dumpster diving, how to do it. I give you resources to learn how to do it and learn more about it. So that is really helpful, and and these dumpster diving stories are laced within the episodes to come. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. This is such an important, cherished story of mine, and I'm glad that it's falling upon open ears. So, let's get started. All right, we're recording. Okay. So, 
Kaylin Otto. We are on a two-month road trip. Well, over two months now. Mm -hmm. And we're heading back home finally. We're um, literally driving in the car right now. Yes. Uh, safely. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the road. So. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm holding the wireless mic, so it's all good. Yeah. But we are always talking about, like, you know, especially because we're traveling, we're talking about other trips that we've both done, other travels, and Tim realized that I have all these travel stories, but it's really hard to piece them together as one, so we thought that we should start at the beginning, right? Yeah, essentially, I mean, I feel like we've known each other for how long? Like, um, maybe two, two and a half? No, three, like three years now? Three years? Yeah, so three years... And, like, we'll go somewhere together, and Kaylin will be like, oh, well, like, when I was here last time, blah, blah, blah. I was like, you were here, like, ever? I didn't know that. And it's just, like, all these um, stories, and, it, and it's almost kind of, I've, I've always, I'm always trying to put them in a time frame of trying to figure out, like, how all this connects. Um, so I thought it would be interesting for us to sit down and actually try to walk out that that story like play yeah. it out so and now we have time so yeah we've got like a lot of time <laughs> we have, we, um, we have think, like 20 hours of driving time so yeah. so um i think you should probably tell this the the story of the incident that we that just occurred five minutes ago just because i think that's a funny yeah start to this yeah as, yeah so everyone welcome to the podcast um, today's gonna be a little bit different because usually I'm interviewing people, but now Tim is gonna interview me. And I wanted to start this podcast off with a weird experience that literally just happened like 15 minutes ago. So, like we said, we're going across the country. We're in Oklahoma, and we stopped at this gas station. Like, if you live in Oklahoma or you love Oklahoma, that's cool. Comment and tell me what you love to do, why you love it. It'd be really interesting um, because, yeah, we both think it's just kind of like a weird place. And this is why. I went into the bathroom. I really had to go to the bathroom, okay? I really had to poop. We pulled off an exit, went to a gas station. And so I went into the bathroom and the lights were completely off. Like it wasn't lights on a timer. It was just regular old lights. The flip, the switch was flipped down. The lights were off in the bathroom. So I turned the lights on. There's only a few stalls. Went and sat down, about to go to the bathroom, and I hear someone sneeze. <laughs> like two stalls over. There's only like three stalls in there. And it's just really awkward because then I kind of hear them breathing. And then I go to the bathroom and it's just very strange that someone was sitting in the dark and then I heard them sneeze. And that's the only reason that I knew that they were in there. And then I looked at the bathroom stalls just out of curiosity, like, oh, which one are they in? And they're all unlocked. <laughs> like, it's not latched. Like, normal, I don't know, like people do, you know, when they're going to the bathroom. So I almost turned the lights back off when I left, because I'm like, <laughs> maybe that's what you're comfortable with? I don't know. But I was a little freaked out, because I always have this weird fear that someone's, like, waiting in the bathroom. Um... So I just left. But I just felt like that should be documented. Yes. Yeah, good travel story. Like, those are the ones that you might forget, too. Like, just, like, the little tiny details in between the big events, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's one that I'll be really happy that I recorded yeah. when I look back and listen <laughs> to this. 
Like, yeah. I didn't want to forget that one. Yeah, totally. So, when, um, kind of knowing a good bit about you, I feel like, at least, <laughs> um, it, it sounds like you, um, graduated from high school in Ohio, mm-hmm. and then, like, shortly after that, you went to be an exchange student in South America. So, like, maybe where we could start is maybe you're, like, what what inspired you to go to South America and to, like, kind of start your adult life as, into, as, like, a traveler, like, and uh, opposed to maybe more traditional things, like going to, to college or right into the workforce? That's a good question, Tim. I feel like we're at a newscast. That was a great question, Tim. Thank you. Over yeah. to me. Um, let me think. So, yeah, I went to high school in Ohio in a really small town. And it's weird because not a lot of people were doing, like, traveling, you know. And I was vegan my senior year. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if I was my junior year, but definitely my senior year. Um, I don't know. I just felt a little bit weird. I know that all of us feel different, but I felt different in the way that, like, I really wanted to go try something different. And I was already a little strange, you know? And so I remember that, like, when senior year came, people were applying to colleges, and everyone kind of had an idea of what they wanted to do. And I had no idea what I wanted to do. And a family friend that we were really close with, their daughter, who was a little bit older than me, had been an exchange student in Spain. And we hung out, and I remember her telling me about it. And when she told me about it, she was just like, yeah, I went there, I didn't have to go to school because, you know, I already graduated, so I just kind of partied and I had fun and I met all these people and I learned a new language and I got to travel. So I'm like, oh, wow, that sounds fun. And I had no idea what I was going to do. And at the last minute, my mom was like, you should try to be an exchange student. Like, we have some money saved up, not enough for you to go to college, but you could use it and be an exchange student if that's what you want. Like, this is for you, you get to choose. So last minute, I was like, you know what, let me just, yeah, yeah, let's see. And I was an exchange student with Rotary. It's called Rotary Youth Exchange Program. And so they, you go to another country for a year if you get approved. And someone, usually from that family that you go live with, will come to your country. They don't always have to live with your family, but they'll come to your country. So first you have to apply, so it's like a whole process. And... Um, I applied at last minute and then you have to choose three countries that you want to go to honestly I was so uneducated and uninformed about anything that I just looked at Chile and I put it as my second option and I just said hmm looks like it'd be warm there like there's no like grand like I was so inspired by it's actually really like I was really uneducated you know and I had no idea put your finger on the map and like that sounds good yeah I think I put Argentina as my first pick and I didn't get it I got my second one and then or maybe Brazil was my first pick um yeah so anyways they decided that I was going to Chile and so I knew I was doing that and then I graduated and I spent a little bit of time after that in my friend's dad's basement while my parents moved to North Carolina which they decided to do on a whim um on a vacation in North Carolina and then they left me and my cat in Ohio. I stayed there for a little bit so I could hang out with my friends. And then I went to North Carolina for a week. And then I flew off to Chile. 
as an exchange student. Wow. Yeah, I feel like that's so. Um, that's such a such an interesting story, and I feel like it's so different from, I guess, my experience and, and a lot of people that I know, like their personal experience. Because um, I feel like so many of us kind of succumb to the pressures of of um, you know societal expectations, where it's like you go to high school, like you try to get a good education, like get good grades, and then. And then you go to college, and it's like this expectation almost, and everyone around you is trying to yeah um, to go to to go to college, you know. So like it's like oh, this is what I need to be doing in life, and I feel like it's interesting to meet you and see like just um, how um, developed you are, <laughs> you know, like just yeah. like you know well, really extremely um, yeah just knowledgeable and cultured I guess um and yeah it, it just kind of kind of shows that there is another way um to go about things after high school I think that's really cool yeah well too I mean I, I think I felt like a lot of other people where you don't know what you want to do I mean I had yeah. no idea what my interests were I mean who is 18 years old and understands like this is what I want to do for the rest of my life yeah and what's the likelihood that that's actually going to be what you want to do when you're 30 Right. It's like, I don't want to... And at that time, I had already, like, had a job, you know? I was a vegan, but I worked at Dairy Queen first, which was very disturbing. Um, You know, and I had, like, worked different places, worked at a lifeguard. I'm like, I don't want to work... You know, just... Obviously, those jobs aren't as fun when you're young. Um, But I was just thinking, like, I don't want to work a ton and go to college right now for something that I don't even know what I want to do. And I had already had some credits down from like Kent State Salem which is like when you go when you're in high school so you know I kind of needed to pick what I wanted to go for because I already had some of the base layers down and I had no idea so I was really impressed and excited and looking back I really appreciate that my mom suggested being an exchange student yeah that's awesome so could you just maybe like tell us about your experience as an exchange student maybe like yeah um some of the highlights and and for me i think it's just cool to hear the the time frame so i can just hang out with you like piece it all together and i I think it's just fascinating too so yeah well let's see so i was like 17 i'm pretty sure i turned 18 or 19 when i was in chile i can't remember exactly but it was around that age um so First of all, I, at school, did not pay attention in Spanish class. I was messing around with Carmen and making fart noises and all this stuff and, you know, just not paying attention, not appreciating and realizing that that would really help me out. Yeah, being a kid. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, like, even my senior year, you know, I'd taken it for how many years and I could most likely not say my name is Kaylin in Spanish. Um... So I got on a plane, and my host family picked me up at the airport in Chile, like after a really long flight, and I had not really traveled before that because, you know, we lived in Ohio, we went to North Carolina on vacation, in the later days we would go to Florida, but we'd go to the same place every year, stay on a military base, you know, like in those military trailers, and um, that's what, like, I knew about travel. So, it was my first time on a plane in an international flight by myself. 
and then you're all disoriented you know the language changes as you get into the country and you switch airplanes and stuff and I was like oh gosh what am I getting into here but I was so drowsy that sometimes you just don't process everything my host family picked me up and they all spoke Spanish except for my host sister Valentina and she was the one who came to the US but she was there for like a week so I had a translator for like a week and then after that I was completely on my own they spoke Spanish hardly any English I spoke English like almost virtually no Spanish um, and I had already had stomach problems in the US which later I realized was due to dairy you know but the stomach problems were so bad that I had that they ended up snowballing into like depression and a ton of anxiety which like I took into my trip in South America so when my host sister left and I had to go to high school and I mean just think of like how scary high school can be when you speak the language you know just like oh, yeah. how hard it is to navigate and then you go to high school and you you don't know anyone you're in a completely new country you don't know what the structure's like and you don't understand anything that the teachers are saying you don't understand how to read the signs the schedules you don't understand anything in class so you sit there for how many hours a day like literally like you just don't know what they're saying um and it was just weird things like you know not weird but different that is hard to figure out when you don't speak the language like you know I had stomach problems and the toilet paper was kept in the principal's office and not in the bathroom and I didn't know how to ask and say I had to go to the bathroom so when I would eventually get around to do that and I'd run to the bathroom because of my stomach problems and all the anxiety and everything like that there's no toilet paper in the bathroom and then I have to try to rush into the principal's office and ask even though I didn't speak the language um, and it was just a lot of, yeah, interesting things like that. So, you know, reflecting now, knowing a little bit more about world issues, I couldn't imagine, you know, like being an Im immigrant or refugee in a new place and not speaking the language and all of these things. You know, it's probably 10,000 times way worse than that. But even my experience, I was like, oh my gosh. And it was just, okay, I'll tell you a couple things that I remember about school. Because one, the toilet paper thing really got me. But I had like two, you know, friends. They spoke English really well and we got along really well and they really helped me navigate everything. But one day they called me to the principal's office, like when I first started going to school there. And they showed me a picture of my family. And they kept pointing at my parents but speaking Spanish and they looked very serious and very upset. And they didn't call in a translator, even though there was it was a Spanish-English school, so multiple of the teachers spoke English, like, super well, you know? And I thought, like, I don't know, have my parents died? Like, <laughs> what had happened? And I was bawling, and then they sent me home. And I walked home, so they're just like, you know, like, go home. And I walked to, to and from school every day. So I, like, remember knocking on the door to my host family's house, and my host dad answered. And I just remember bawling and falling into his arms. And then, you know, through translator and all this stuff, I finally got to explain to him what happened. And he was so mad because he was like, why would they do that to you? Like, look all upset and point at your family. <laughs> he was really upset. So something had to change with school because it wasn't going well. And eventually they put me in 
the pre-kindergarten classes, the kindergarten classes, the fifth grade and the sixth grade classes, the English classes. So the kids were learning English. They knew more English than I knew Spanish. I got to learn Spanish and help the teacher teach English. Nice. And that was a really good thing because like the kids were so smart. Pre-kindergarten knew more English than I knew Spanish. Yeah. And it really helped me like the basic things really helped me learn Spanish, you know, sitting yeah. in on those classes. Um you speak Spanish really well now. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like you do whenever... I mean, you obviously know a lot more than I do, and, and, and which is sad because I, I um, you know, took Spanish starting in middle school, high school, and then, um, you know, all throughout college. And, yeah. Um, you know, when we, like, come to a point where, like, the few occasions where like someone is speaking Spanish, I'm I'm like drawing a blank, and you're just you know fluently talking with them. It's pretty. Well, it's hard because I mean, just learning it in the U.S. One, I don't feel like we learn it as deeply as other countries have to learn English or choose to learn English. And then two, everyone where they speak English is so different, and a lot of people speak really fast. So. Even when you do learn so much in school, it's so different when you actually get there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I was so afraid of messing up, like, within the first six months. And I was in I was an exchange student for a year. But within, like, the first six months, I was so afraid of speaking Spanish and messing up and looking like I didn't know what I was doing because I didn't, that I didn't speak that much, which was weird, you know? Like, I tried with my host family, and they would teach me. Like, I remember they would take, like, a spoon and a fork. And they would repeat the Spanish word, and I'd have to repeat after them, you know. Or they'd ask me to translate lyrics in the car or something like that. So they really helped me, which oh, was cool. cool. And I think at some point I put, like, sticky notes on things in the Spanish name. Yeah. Um, but they got so used to me and my broken Spanish that they knew what I was saying more than other people did. Yeah. So we had it's some... like a toddler. Yeah! <laughs> we had some weird language. Like, now looking back, I'm like, I don't know how we communicated and had as serious conversations as we did with my lack of Spanish, you know? Yeah. But I think through hand movements, Google Translate, all these things, we were able to communicate. Um, You're also very, um, like, I feel like you can pick up on your, your body language and, yeah. you know, you have, you have multiple... Um, tones in your voice and what would you call those like deflections yeah um, so I feel like often you could just be speaking gibberish and I could understand what you're saying just because <laughs> yeah. you're, you're so um, like animated sometimes animated and, and you you use a lot of different uh, you know ways to communicate aside from just words yeah so I, I imagine that probably made it a little bit easier yes um, and when you live with people and they get to know you, you know? Because I was with the same family all year. Sometimes people change, but I was with the same family. Um, but my, my host family was really awesome, and they were really helpful. And we had some things that I think kind of jarred us about each other, coming from different cultures and stuff. Like, they were very protective. Like, they didn't want me going on runs by myself at first. They didn't want me doing all these things by myself that I was used to doing on my own. And they spent a lot of, like, family time together. Like, they really valued that. Like, eating every meal together, going to the grocery store together, all this stuff we're at home. Like, we didn't eat meals together. Like, yeah. you're going to the grocery store? See you later. Um, so, some things were hard for us all to, like, get on the same page about. 
and then the fact that I was vegan in a very like meat heavy country which I feel like a lot of countries are very meat heavy the US is super meat heavy Um, but there I think that veganism or vegetarianism is way less uh, prominent so that was like another barrier for a little bit but it's just so weird showing up at someone's house that you've never met before and then you just live with them yeah for a year and just especially um, in a different culture too yeah I mean, I mean like a place you've never been if you if it was something that maybe like European or especially in the US like just on the other side of the country like you might have a lot of differences but you're still familiar with like maybe this like dominant culture that we all have to um, participate in to a certain degree yeah um, so I imagine that's got to be pretty difficult yeah it was I, I I feel like it was a really good like almost initiation into traveling and growing up a little bit I'd never been away from home for so long and there was just a lot to navigate the cultural differences yeah. being with a new family like navigating a new country a whole new transportation system all of these things so it was a huge learning experience but I'll tell you a couple stories that really stick out to me so let me tell you this being an exchange student was not what I thought where it was just like you party all the time and I didn't really drink or anything like that I had maybe drunk like drank once before I was an exchange student you know so I wasn't like excited about the partying but I was excited about like hanging out with people and having fun you know and it's different for every person so if you're considering being an exchange student don't think you're gonna party the whole time because your host family it's really up to your host family you're supposed to go to school you're supposed to check in with your rotary counselor every time you leave your city so really it's up to your host family they get to decide what you want to do so I still had to go to school Um, but you know I found out at the end of the year that I was supposed to check in with this person that I had never checked in with once every time I left the town And, you know, weekly I'd leave the town on my own on the bus, and then I felt like it was every few months I would go to new countries, and my person never knew. So my host family was really cool in that way. Um, But, okay, I do remember this when I first got there. So my family lived in Coquimbo, and then they had family in Viña del Mar, which was, I forget how long the bus trip was, but it was a long bus trip, you know, like eight plus some hours. And this is when my Spanish was really bad still. And, well, it's still kind of bad, but... I fell asleep on the bus. Like, the really long bus. And I woke up because the bus driver woke me up and there was no one else on the bus and they were in the terminal. And I had no idea where I was. They didn't speak any English. I hardly spoke any Spanish. And they were trying to get me off the bus. But I was just in a bus terminal, like in the back section where they parked the buses. I was like, I can't get off this bus. Like, I don't know where I am. And I'm trying to ask. And we're, like, not understanding each other. And I'm crying. It sounds like an awful dream. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a nightmare. And they're, like, panicking. And so, eventually, I called my host dad just crying. And I just handed the phone to the bus driver. <laughs> and they had to, like, take the bus out and meet my host dad somewhere on the side of the road. Um, but it all felt very out of my control because I had no idea what was going on. So that was one thing I really remembered. And then another thing that I remembered was when I was in school. And remember, I had all these stomach problems. And we were all in that, like my whole grade was in the auditorium for this uh, presentation that we had to listen to. 
and I was sitting next to this guy who was really nice. He spoke English super well, and he would, like, help me navigate everything. Yeah. I also thought he was really cute at the time. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I had a stomach ache, like, diarrhea. I had to go, okay? And I was like, hey, I really, like, I nudged him. We were supposed to be quiet. I was like, I really have to go to the bathroom. He's like, you can't. You have to wait. You can't get up now. There's, like, a teacher guarding the door. And I was like, no, like, I... I like I really have to go and he's like well you just need to wait so I tried to sit there and my stomach was like like there was a monster inside of me and it was so quiet because they were like showing like a quiet video and someone was talking and I don't even think the person was using a mic it was just like voice level and my stomach got so loud that at one point everyone turned and looked at me so I jumped up because I'm like I'm gonna poop my pants right now and I ran to the door, and the teacher was standing in front of the door, like, trying to not let me leave. They didn't understand what was happening. And I'm trying to explain I have to go to the bathroom, and everyone's watching. <laughs> and then frantically, I pushed, like, aside them, pushed out the door, and then you have to go to the principal's office to get toilet paper. And it was just a whole fiasco, and it was really embarrassing. And that's one of the things I remember about school. But school was... I got really close with all the kindergarten kids and all, like, the fifth and sixth graders. We, like, loved each other. I would hang out with them on my breaks, and they were really sweet to me. Um, they threw me a party, like, when I left, and we all ate snacks, and, like, they told me about their lives. I got to tell them about mine. So, school was interesting, but what I really loved about being an exchange student was that, you know, there was exchange students from all over the world, and we got to go on trips with all those people who were living in Chile from all these different countries. And we got to go to some really epic places that I think I appreciate now more than I did then. But we got to go to like Easter Island, Patagonia, wow. um, like all these different places. And then on top of that, I got to backpack with like, I feel like I formed a family with those exchange students. We called it our family, like five or six of us who were really close. And, you know, we would go backpack on our own through Chile to Argentina. Um, we went to Bolivia. We went to Peru. Did you go to Machu Picchu? Yeah, that's when we. I went to Machu Picchu with them, um, and that was like my favorite part. And it seems like you still have um, some friend, like your friend in Denmark, that mm -hmm. you you um, you talk to and put FaceTime. Yeah. Like almost every every month or so, right? Yeah, like wow. I'm still really close with a handful That's of those cool. people because we went through so many weird things yeah. together. And only one of them, no, two of them lived close to me at the time, so I could hang out with them pretty regularly. Like they lived a town over, so we'd take the bus and hang out. Um, but the other ones I would only see for those trips, but we would just get so close because they were so weird and we all were like oh my gosh isn't this thing so strange being an exchange student you know um and i imagine knowing like all these other people from all these other countries like denmark and germany and all these um various countries probably i mean it had to have maybe like sparked maybe a, a desire to to travel and see their places oh yeah because I would learn I mean that was the first time I feel like I actually learned about other countries and like world news and what was going on in the world because you know you're all talking about your home life it's no big deal to you but that that gets everyone interested in wanting to see you know what that's like so 
we'll talk about it soon, I'm sure, but, you know, later on I went to Europe and got to stay in Germany and uh, Denmark and Finland and all these places where I had really close friends. So, yeah, I'm still really close with... Uh, you stayed with them. Yeah, at their houses. Like, I got to see these things that we talked about so many years ago. Yeah. Um, so I'm still really close with some of them. But, I mean, just... Oh, gosh. The things that we would do, you know... You know, we're like teenagers still in a foreign country to us on backpacking trips with no adults around staying in hostels taking really cheap buses like just some weird things you know it's just and seeing all these beautiful places for me a lot of them had already traveled before but for me it was the first time yeah it's gotta be like eye-opening yeah, so that was, I mean, I could talk forever about being an exchange student, but it was difficult because I did get really homesick easily, and the language, I, I feel like I'm not that great with languages, um, so that was hard for me, and I had a lot of anxiety and depression to navigate, which was also hard, but when I look back, you know, when I was there, I was like, this is really, this feels really hard. Yeah. And I was learning so much that I just couldn't process it all. But when I look back, I look back and, like, think of all the really good times with my host family. And I think of all the times with my exchange student friends. And it was like, wow, what a... Like, they call being an exchange student a lifetime in a year. And it seriously feels like that. Yeah. So. I think it's really interesting, like, hearing your full kind of summary of your... um, you know your life as an exchange student and and also like understanding a good bit of what happened after that and who you are as a person today Mm -hmm. and I think so much of it makes sense and it's like I think I'm just now starting to understand like how much like this the this is like part of your life really shaped you um yeah you know it's like kind of like shaped your maybe like a lot of your your um, comfort with with traveling that these fears that a lot of people kind of have around around um, you know being vulnerable or or you know navigating through um, cultures that that they're not really familiar with um, it seems like you you kind of do that with a lot of a lot more grace and and just like a lot less fear but you're still really aware yeah you know, like you don't put yourself in dangerous positions um you know most of the time most of the time like you know you take risks sometimes but um yeah it's interesting it's interesting to, to hear all that and see how it's how it's really shaped you and and just like you know like now you you have a second language you know like yeah. you're like forced into into um learning kind of which is good because i think people should you know yeah in the u.s so many people or people who grew up here i feel like a lot of people especially white people feel the response that they don't have to learn other languages because everyone speaks my language exactly and a lot of people do speak english but geez like you know try it's interesting too because you know i have friends whose like major was you know linguistics or something and our lang- some type are just like some type of language um 
where that they may have spent you know the bulk of their college years like learning this language you know for four years or something and um, five years later like just didn't really use it and now yeah. now they're kind of like where I am with it where it's like uh, you know yeah. I kind of like I might be able to decipher some things it might come back to me if I if I really practice it but it's it's pretty amazing to like just it seems like you can you fall back into it almost well, because you it yeah was if you're immersed in it for you know a year like things come back to you I mean there's still words that I'll try to recall and I can't but then if I hear them I'm like oh I know what that is yeah um so if y'all listening want to learn a language and you have the privilege <laughs> of being able to travel somewhere immersing yourself is honestly the best way like yeah you know living with a family being an au pair taking care of kids or getting a job somewhere in another country like that's how you're gonna at least for me and a lot of people that I know that's how you're really gonna truly learn the language and then the dialect is different from country to country so when I went to Argentina it was harder to understand people speaking Spanish because the you know it's just different and then in Bolivia it's different and then in Spain it's very different yeah so you're never gonna be done learning you're never going to be done learning the language. Um, but I will say this because I feel like this is like a running joke that exchange students understand. I think there's four D's that you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to drink, drive, date, or do drugs. And those are like four things they pound into you before you leave. The four D's. That never do these as an exchange student. And then when you get there, they're like, four D's. Don't do the four D's. Everyone knows what it is. Oh, or drive. Sorry, it's five. Drink, drink drive. drive, date, drugs. Drink, drive, date, drugs. Dr oh, yeah. Okay, those are... Four. Yeah, four. Never mind. Okay, that's four. Um, and I feel like every Shane Shun does every single one. <laughs> like, I hardly... Yeah, I no don't, teenager not to, yeah. like, date somebody or... I think the one yeah. that people don't do a lot is drive. But I remember even I was driving like four wheelers and stuff. We weren't even supposed to drive those. But it's just so, I mean, like, you think you're going to be an exchange student and and that it's going to be all about school and all this stuff. You know, sometimes when you first get there and you realize your parents are serious about you going to school. But then you have the exchange student parties and it's just, it's all out the window. Yeah. Then you're you know, just a, you're like. You're just a teenager. It's like you're in college or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. It's just, yeah, that part was interesting. Um, but I eventually did come back home, and I was very homesick. I was very ready to come home, and yeah, I came back to North Carolina. This next section of your life, mm -hmm. uh, essentially, you you just left South America as an exchange student, and you've come to North Carolina back mm -hmm. to your parents place but it's all very new to you I imagine because they they moved kind of like right before you left for just maybe a few months before you left for um, for South America right yeah so they had been living there for like that whole year and I had only been there for a week before I left so when I came back everything was completely new okay um, and let me say this this is an important part of the story that I always forget when I was in South America, I would go on, I would run a lot. I was like, really, like every day. That was like my time to decompress and just like, I don't know, feel healthy, get a lot of energy out and be by myself. 
it was like really important to me um and during the end of the year I was running I stepped off of the sidewalk weird and I like twisted my foot and it really hurt like I had done something to my foot and I limped all the way home I remember miles like I limped home because I didn't want to tell anyone and I didn't want my host parents to know that I had hurt myself because then they wouldn't want me to run by myself anymore so I remember limping around and hiding it and like limping to school limping around the house I couldn't go on runs anymore for a while which they probably thought was weird and it just hurt like my foot hurt really bad okay so I but I didn't do anything about it because I didn't want to be barred from running so I get back to the US and my mom's like you're walking funny and I'm like yeah look at my foot and she's like oh my god your foot is like disfigured your foot looks really weird your bones are in the wrong place and I went to a doctor and I had broken my foot in South America and then it had been broken and like healing in a weird way on its own so when I came back I had to get um, like a walking boot thing on my foot so I couldn't really do a lot because now my foot was basically in a cast so I don't know it was just weird coming back home not knowing where I was and then like being not able to do anything was strange um that was weird I don't know why I did that but I let that happen so I came back I was like this is weird I don't know anyone here also I've just lived this lifetime and now who do I get to tell about it no one besides my parents because I don't know anyone here yeah so it was just kind of I mean and I get sad when I come back from trips I I was really sad because like you went through all these things and then the people you're close with aren't there for you to tell about it so I really miss my exchange student friends and I really miss my friends from Ohio and I really miss being able to walk right and go on runs and do yoga and all these things so when my foot was starting to heal more I didn't know what I should do next and my mom was like well what are your interests and when I was in Chile I started doing yoga just like doing it off of the computer free classes to try to manage my anxiety and depression and I really got into it because it really helped me a lot so she was like well until you know what you want to go to college for why don't you go to yoga school because Wilmington has a really good yoga school and it's obviously a lot cheaper than going to college um, it's like a mine was like a 200 hour program that lasted a month so as my foot was healing you know a lot of it is like you sit down and you're writing and learning like you know when you actually go to school like textbook stuff um, so as my foot was healing I went to yoga school and completed that which was a whole nother experience like that's like an intense learning transformational time um, so I finally met some people in the area through that and then this leads into like the next big travel part because I was you know like I explained I was sad I miss traveling I miss my friends all this stuff and went to yoga school I obviously hadn't been working a lot like after I graduated yoga school I started teaching yoga at some local places but they were classes for older folks so they were really slow and I could still wear my boot thing on my foot um, so, you know, I was working as much as I could teaching yoga, but there wasn't a lot that I could do. And just like, you know, I was at home, so I was saving up money. 
and this one person who lived in Wilmington was so cool and she had these yoga days at her house where you would go pay 20 bucks she's an amazing yoga teacher she would teach yoga out on the dock by the water and then she'd make these incredible vegan meals that were out of this world like homemade ice cream with flowers in it and all this stuff and I remember after one of those everyone was talking about like their passions what they wanted to do in life like upcoming plans and I was like I really want to travel but you know I don't have a lot of money right now and it's hard for me to kind of get around and all this stuff and this person said well I heard of this lady who travels with no money and she just does talks wherever she goes or she works for what she needs and people play for her bus tickets to get her to different places but she starts with no money and she just goes around the US like that and I heard that and I was like ding 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 and I never looked her up I don't think I ever asked what her name was I never looked wow. her up to see if this was a true story and I was this, like, if someone, someone just did that. told you that and that was like, <laughs> yeah. resonated with you. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. I want to see if that's like actually a thing that can be done. So that kind of pushed me. And how long into that was, what was that time frame between that and like coming back from South America? I pro- I'm going to guess because I don't know for sure, but maybe I spent like, Maybe that was like five months after I'd been home. Okay. Six months, you know, because I had the foot thing. I had yoga school for a month, and then I was working, teaching yoga when I graduated for a little bit. So then kind of this, like, travel bug, like, kind of hit you again. Yeah. And you're like, I'm going to try to do this. Yeah. I'm like, some lady did it. Some, I think. Somewhere in the world. Someone said some lady did it. I'm pretty sure it (laughs) happened. Um... So that took me into, like, a flurry of research. Not on this lady. Like I said, I never looked her up. Yeah. I never confirmed that this was true or could be done. But I started looking online, like, okay, what are some alternative methods of travel? Does anyone, like, kind of do this? And I found Rob Greenfield, which he's an environmental activist. And he's, like, incredible. He has so many free resources um, and guides to, like, dumpster diving cycling across the country like all of these things yeah so basically i just read all of that i could of rob greenfield stuff like before i ever did it like learning how to dumpster dive learning how to do all these things um and then so i like absorbed all of that and then i just like watched youtube videos i'm just curious real quick like saying learning how to dumpster dive because i've i've dumpster dived like a good bit in my life and like learning how to dumpster dive with me is just like all right jump in yeah <laughs> right uh, what what was could you elaborate on that because i mean i feel like i might have some tips on like people that might be like oh what is that because it's kind of it might sound a little radical but it's really it's, it's really, really not. not it's not nearly as dirty as one would think and you can find some like good food fresh organic vegetables like you know that's packaged that's not like touching any nastiness yeah Okay, so, yeah, that's weird to say I learned how to do it online. But I read about it a lot because I had not tried it in North Carolina, and I never tried it before I left on my bike trip. Yeah. But he was basically like, this is how you dumpster dive. You go to a dumpster. You open it up. You get inside. You search for food. You close it and leave everything nice so that they don't lock other people out. But he had tips for, like, you know, um, the best dumpsters to go to, how to make it still accessible for other people, 
and then he had this promise, which is still up on his website this year because I checked, that if you get arrested for dumpster diving, he will pay for all of your court costs, like whatever, if you get arrested and go to jail, bail you out of jail, and he will come to your city and do like a big PR thing. That's awesome. Um, That's actually really, I didn't know that. That's yes. really cool. So he'll come, yeah. he's like big on food waste and just how ridiculous yeah. it is in the U.S., so he will oh, come and make a scene. Especially in the U.S. I mean, I've I've heard, I don't know like the, the veracity of it, but like certain countries, maybe France or something, um, that like it's it's illegal for a lot of these grocery stores to throw out um, their food that way and it has to go to the next to the next place like yeah. you know to like homeless shelters or something like that and um, I feel like there's a, a time in my life where I was dumpster diving a lot because I just didn't have very much money and and also it was it was fun it was kind of exciting yeah um so i feel like for now i don't for i i don't know it i don't know we should probably start yeah but um i kind of enjoyed the excitement and and i would get so much food like that i was rarely buying food and i would bring like all of this fresh produce and fruits and stuff to um, a farm animal sanctuary that I was uh, volunteering and doing some work for at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I would, and they would, so, like, all the animals would just have, like, this, Free like, food. all of this, like, delicious fruit and veggies. Um, but just to kind of stay on this topic real quick, because I feel like this is a really interesting Yeah, one. it's a good one. And we can, like, edit some of this stuff out if we want to. Um, oh, no, it's saying. Okay, well, it's, some things if anyone's interested in dumpster diving i want to give like a few tips here okay one they have like there's like two different styles that i've seen of dumpsters one is just like the classic you flip it like over the the um like you open the lid like you open the lid and then the other one is like the compressor style like don't go in there no like, don't never go into one of those where where they literally have like a hydraulic that compresses it like something straight out of like that star wars i've scene. heard people have gotten stuck in there before yeah so don't go in there um so safety like do not go in there and the other thing is like in grocery stores there's um there's a really good one next to us in north carolina that's not far from where we live and the the beautiful thing about it is they separate their trash where they put like all their nasty trash and all the meat and dairy in one dumpster because meat and, and dairy is also trash yeah and it's like it's like 50 feet away from their produce dumpster their produce dumpster is just like right outside the door and essentially like whenever they just have like they get it for so cheap the the produce that whenever they have new shipments that they'll just like take you know the old stuff and 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 they'll they'll just be like boxes full of it that like have never actually touched the dumpster yeah they're just like these it's almost like a wrapped christmas present like you pull these massive boxes out and like i mean i've gotten things from like all those naked juices um that aren't even like expired to like pistachio nuts um you know packaged 
like all every packaged like vegetable and fruit like that you could think of so i'm just saying like don't knock it it's a good thing and it's fun it's exciting also do it during the daytime because like i think nighttime is it it almost looks suspicious Mm -hmm. and that's my personal thing actually like whatever your preference is my preference is daytime and like one time i was in like in the dumpster like going through all this good stuff and someone one of the um employees opened the door to put something else in the dumpster and they saw me i felt like like a raccoon or something like i felt like i was um like a stray animal you know yeah and they saw me and they literally just like like just as if they didn't just turned around yeah. and shut the door <laughs> perfect that was the only time i've ever um had that experience except for i'm i'm rambling here but except for um trader joe's those people suck <laughs> for whatever reason like they guard their they guard their dumpster like it's treasure like yeah like they do not want anyone going near their dumpster okay trader joe's has some problems because they also are so mean when you disrupt their store like an animal rights protest or something yeah they're like in their flowery shirts all sweet and then as soon as you're like attention everyone please stop murdering other people they are like on you Fast, all mean, up in your face, calling yeah. the police, like all of these things. So I agree, Trader Joe's. Yeah, they need, need to, to step up. Simmer down. They need to simmer down a bit. I mean, like literally, we're just taking like food that you're throwing away and try to repurpose it, like without it going to a landfill. Um, so to like get all butthurt and to the point that you're like paying someone to guard your dumpster, it's a it's absurd. Like, a, yeah. It, like that's it's almost criminal to me i mean that's like that you're like you're so persistent on and people say like oh well they don't want you know they don't want to be sued blah 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 for someone getting sick it's like when does that ever happen yeah people don't i've met yeah. so many people that dumpster dive and no i've never gotten sick no one i know has ever gotten sick you use your judgment if something looks so bad yeah. that you wouldn't want to eat it don't eat it and it's funny because there's a a grocery store like our closest grocery store to us they'll have these like manager special special for certain vegetables um and i'll look at it and the stuff is gross like i'm like i will get sick if i eat this and they're trying to like sell it sell it you know what i mean like the stuff in that i find the dumpsters are like way fresher than are more fresh than like than what they're selling so if, if that's the case like i don't know i feel like i would have more of a case if I wanted to sue a corporation or whatever, I'd feel like Just someone would have more of a the manager special. of like buying the manager special and saying, I purchased this and I got grossly ill. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, um, so dumpster diving is not what everyone thinks that it is, you know? Oh, we're turning on an exit. Yep. 40s. We'll see. Yeah. So I'm sorry. That was, um, that was kind of a side shoot but that's good for people to know because i mean the trip that i did was very budgeted and had i not known that dumpster diving was a thing that you could do i mean i don't know i dumpster dived a lot dumpster dove a lot so mm -hmm. that was a really helpful thing to learn about and you know also there is a risk of having to interact with the police if someone sees you or they call yes. the police or whatever so different people have different privilege levels and feel 
you know, different ways and more comfortable and less comfortable about interacting with police. Um, yeah, use your own discretion. Yeah, use your own discretion. So it's more risky for some people than it is others. So we're not saying, like, it's the easiest thing. You just jump into a dumpster. Yeah. But I do feel like a lot of times, you know, stores are starting to watch more now. But even a few years ago, no one was locking their dumpsters. No one was checking. No one was watching you. Like, if they saw you, it was an accident. Like, you were talking about when you were in the dumpster and they opened it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a tip for people and go to Rob Greenfield's website, just Google search Rob Greenfield, you know, if you do get in trouble and use him as a resource and just go learn about food waste on his website and learn more about dumpster diving and all of his tips and tricks and videos and all of this stuff, because it's just, once you get into it, you're like, wow, this is awesome. Definitely. Definitely. I'm glad we talked about that. Yeah, totally. That was a good one. So... Um, to move to move forward in the in your story here. Mm-hmm. So, essentially, um, you learn from Rob Greenfield a lot. Mm-hmm. Right? I learned a lot because he had. I don't know if he had biked all the way across the U.S. I think he did at that point. Um, but he would travel by bike. Okay. And he didn't have a lot of things, you know, like items with him. And he would dumpster dive and he would travel from city to city and teach people how to dumpster dive. And they would do massive hauls at night and then they'd go set up in a park and just feed whoever yeah. wanted to come. Um, so I didn't learn a lot about biking from him, but I just, I guess I learned more about the lifestyle. Like, oh, cool. people do this. Um, and I was like, well, if he does this, I can do it. So, I think that I first got the idea to bike from his website. I specifically remember a picture of him. He's, like, all tan because you know he's just, like, sleeping outside um, with his sandals on, just, like, shorts, you know, just all happy biking. And I was like, wow. I mean, if I'm going to travel with no money on a very, you know, almost non-existent budget, then... I'm going to have to do something like this. So I remember deciding that I was going to go by bike and that I would dumpster dive. And I heard that that lady just worked for what she needed. So I decided that that was what I would do too. Make the world a better place by leaving things better than I found it. You know, whether it be people or the planet or, you know, all kinds of things. Isn't there a quote that says, feel fear and do it anyways? Yeah. 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 So I think for us in significance, we have to do it ourselves. A lot of people are doing things in their life that they're not completely happy with mm-hmm. and they're doing it just because you know it's a norm and they feel like they feel pressured by society Definitely. or they're just you know stuck in this rut mm-hmm. and you know ruts can be comfortable for people and they can be very comfortable comfort is not how you how you grow as a person <laughs>